Hello, and welcome to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gerrand, and I'll be giving you my honest thoughts on the books I read. While the reviews will be short and to the point, they'll include everything you want to know without any spoilers to help you figure out what you should read next. So with that said, let's jump right in. Hi, everyone. So as I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, which was Pilgrims by Matthew Neal, a historical fiction pilgrimage novel. Today's episode is going to be switching up the genres because I am attempting to do that as much as possible, even though I am doing themed months. So again, this is the fourth time that I am saying it, if not more. This month's theme is the theme of travel. So this week's book, which you will have seen from the title, is Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. And it does fall under that theme even though it is a sci-fi type of book. So if you don't know, maybe you do know, this is the same author who has written The Glass Hotel and Station Eleven. I read The Glass Hotel quite a while ago, and I will actually briefly touch on it in this review, very, very briefly. But I haven't read Station Eleven, but I know a lot of people really, really love that book. So maybe I will get to it hopefully sometime soon. Because like I said, I did read The Glass Hotel and I remember liking it and thinking it was interesting, but I had had a little bit higher hopes and I think just slightly different expectations of what I thought the novel was going to be. So it was good, but it wasn't something that I was overly obsessed with. And I think a lot of people tend to have that reaction to Station Eleven. I just hear a lot of really rave reviews about it. So personally, I was very interested to see what my thoughts and opinions were going to be on this book. And I have to say, this book was also very different than what I thought it was going to be going into it, but that wasn't a bad thing. I did enjoy it. It's just a very interesting read. And the reason it's interesting, which is also how it kind of fits into the theme of travel, is it deals with the topic of time travel. And that is something she did a really, really excellent job with because this book is only like 250 pages and it's a really easy and smooth and fluid read. Like the font is like also a pretty good size, like it's not super small. So you could probably read this in like one day easy. So by having such a small page count, you would think that that might lend itself to being easier to write a time travel story or something like that. But I actually think it makes it difficult because this story is very complex and there are a lot of different timelines, a lot of different stories and different characters that are all very expertly woven together. But she's able to do that and create a very rich and very full story, but in such a short page count. And Personally, I don't know because I've never written a book, but I would think if I was a writer that I would want and need more pages to really flush out and explain and connect all the dots, but she was able to do that with something quite complex in such a short page count, which I think personally is incredibly impressive. And Once I tell you what this book is exactly about, you might be afraid that it's going to be a little bit too complex or a little bit too mind-bending. At least that's what my fear was. But 
that was not the case at all. She really presents it very simply and kind of eases you into it. So it's very, very easy to grasp what is going on, which is very important when you're telling any type of story that's going to center around time travel, because that has a very high probability of getting very confusing very quickly. So I guess we can just get right into it and I can tell you exactly what this book is about. So essentially it revolves around multiple characters. You have one character who is Edwin St. Andrew in 1912. You also have Olive Llewellyn, who is a famous writer who exists two centuries later from that. You also have a character called Gaspery Jacques Roberts. He's a detective who lives even later than that, maybe like 100 to 200 years also past Olive Llewellyn. And there are a couple other characters, but those are essentially the main characters who all are revolving around this particular event that they come to describe as almost like being a glitch in the timeline continuum, if you will. And it's this singular point in time all the way from 1912 to like the year 2200 something. And it's this single moment in time where all of them at some point or another in their own timelines we're in this particular spot in the forest in Canada, I believe. And what happens is as soon as they're in this exact spot in the forest, there's basically this glitch in this timeline continuum where all of these moments in history sort of glitch. And let's say Olive is in the forest. She hears a violin player who's playing from a different year. Same thing happens to Edwin St. James in 1912. He's hearing the same violin playing and they all experience this same sensation. They're hearing the same violin and they experience the same glitch, like the lights go dark and they just experience this very, very fleeting sensation or glitch in the system, if you will. It's kind of like when people talk about a glitch in the matrix which is something that this novel explores is the idea of the simulation theory gets brought up and one of the characters does end up time traveling. So it's really dealing with some very big and very complex topics. And I know it probably sounds really confusing the way that I'm explaining it. I'm not doing the best job, but I promise the author explains it much more simplistically. So you're just gonna have to take my word on that. But something that is really interesting is because she takes it into a sci-fi direction, not only with the time travel and the simulation theory, but also in terms of how she's envisioning what human life looks like in the years, you know, 2200 something, and then also, you know, 2400 something, because Olive exists in, let's say, 2200, and then you have... Gaspery Jacques Roberts, who's alive in 2400. And something that the author is envisioning during that time is that humans are living on the moon and actually further than the moon. They call those the far colonies, which was very, very interesting to sort of envision this Jetsons-like existence, basically. But at the core of the novel is these characters and it is humanity and how all of these characters are connected and I don't know, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say the meaning of life, but kind of, it's kind of a heavy topic. And 
really kind of dealing with things like humanity and connection and coincidence and fate and I don't know what it all means and where we're headed, which sounds so, so heavy. And the book does have a very melancholic tone to it, but not so much that it's going to make you depressed when you're reading it. At least I don't think so. Maybe I do have to put out like a minor trigger warning because the author does use the topic of pandemics in the novel that does occur in Olive Llewellyn's timeline, which I have conflicting feelings about, and they are very, very personal feelings. So I don't think you should really take this into account in terms of formulating your own opinion or deciding whether or not you want to read it. I'm just kind of sharing with you guys. I think personally... I don't know how to feel about it. On one hand, I understand because pandemics and virus outbreaks are something that has always been a part of human history. So it's not a new idea. And the author could argue that they're not exactly drawing inspiration from the COVID pandemic. But for some reason, it just kind of got under my skin. And I know that's a very personal feeling. But I know that when I was looking around for books like very recently, either during the pandemic or right after. And I saw a lot of authors just kind of jump on this topic bandwagon. So I can't help but feel like it's kind of doing the same thing because it is a major plot element in all of Llewellyn's timeline. It's not just this like small aside. And technically the pandemic outbreak that happens isn't a COVID outbreak, but it's it also is in so many words. <laughs> And I don't have a problem with using that specifically. It just feels like another author jumping on this contextual bandwagon. And I also don't necessarily have a problem with that, but I just feel like if we're going to use this as a plot device, I feel like there needs to be just a little bit more time put between it to give it a little bit more perspective, especially since we are still dealing with it, especially when I was seeing books right away, like we were still in the thick of it. It's like, good God, like I don't think we've had enough time to deal with it, process it, um, let alone then read about it in our spare time. And I think I just kind of ascribe to the way of looking at it or dealing with it in media, kind of how The Crown does their seasons, like The Crown on Netflix. Like the show creator has said that he doesn't want to deal with the Meghan and Harry timeline just because it is so recent and he feels like he does need some years in between to give himself a little bit of distance and a little bit of perspective to really be able to craft something very meaningful or powerful or what have you. So anyway, again, that is a very personal note and that is very, very subjective. So feel free to completely disagree with me. And just so I've said it, it's not like the main driver of the novel or anything like that. It is a major plot element in Olive Llewellyn's timeline, but that is just one timeline and one character in this entire novel of several timelines and several characters. So it doesn't overshadow, it doesn't taint the novel, nothing like that. But as you can probably guess from that and everything else that I've mentioned about this book, it is a really great read for people who ponder those very big questions, right? So if you've ever thought about time travel, is it possible? How would it work? Um, What does our future look like? Are we going to live on other planets? Is the simulation theory possible, right? So if you've really pondered these questions and you're kind of into that sci-fi 
esque type of genre, I think that you'll really like this. And I think ultimately what the book does is it really gets you thinking. And I personally think that this would make a great book club pick. Um, I almost picked this for our Brutally Honest book club just because I feel like you're really going to want to talk about it after with somebody. And it also is a great pick for book club because like I said, it's like 250 pages. So you could easily finish it in like a day, which is super nice when you have that obligation. But obviously this has to be a genre that you're interested in because even though there is a character in 1912 and it does jump between these different timelines, the majority of the novel is set very far in the future. I would probably say the majority is written from maybe Gaspery's perspective, which is in 2400. But something else that the author does to really keep it interesting and to kind of balance out the melancholic tone a little bit is there is a very big element of mystery and suspense as well, which is something that you'll know from her novel, The Glass Hotel. I do think you can really tell that those two works, even though they are very different, were written by the same author just because the voice and the tone are so similar. And that's actually something that she does with this that I thought was very interesting is she connects this novel to that novel as well. So they're existing in the same universe and the protagonist of The Glass Hotel is mentioned in this book and is connected to one of the characters in this book. So there is overlap of the stories and a sort of intertwining which was something I absolutely did not expect, but I thought was very, very interesting. And it really leads me to question whether Station Eleven is also in the same universe and it's somehow connected to these as well. So I guess I have to read it now. And if it is, I'll let you guys know. But I think one of the biggest reasons why I liked this book, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I love when authors give me twists and turns and I don't know, maybe that's why I like suspense or thriller books as much as I do, because those are the genres that have, you know, twists to them. Like I've said it before, but I want M. Night Shyamalan twists left and right. I want whiplash from the amount of twists and turns that you're putting in a novel. And this one had several twists. The biggest one coming at the end, which I did not see coming, I thought it was such a perfect ending. And Essentially, without giving anything away, it explains this glitch in the system, if you will, or glitch in the timelines. And I thought it was so clever, so creative, and all of these respective timelines that have been interweaving have been essentially building to this final moment, this final reveal. And I just thought it was so brilliant and so good, personally. And I kind of touched on it before, but it really ended up just being this very rich and full and complex story that I think really has a lot of meaning kind of just below the surface, if you will. It's a book that, like I said, you're really going to want to talk to somebody about, I think, and just kind of get their thoughts and their feelings or whatever. And I think you're going to spend some time thinking about it yourself after as well but not in like a Lars von Trier melancholia type of way. It's not going to like promote any like nihilistic views, I don't think. If anything, it's just very interesting. So I guess it's no surprise that I would rate this five out of five stars, but if you have read this book, 
Like I said, it makes you really want to talk to somebody else. So if you have read this book, feel free to send me a DM. We can definitely talk about it. And if you have, let me know what you would rate this book. If you loved it, hated it, would rate it a five, a one, whatever, let me know. And in the meantime, be sure to stay tuned to find out what February's theme is going to be. I have mentioned this before, but I'm going to go ahead and re-explain it. If you would like to join the Brutally Honest Book Club, the way that it's working this year is that before the start of every month, I'm going to be showing the book club on Instagram in the private stories because you're going to be added to the close friends list. I'm going to be showing the book club five books that are going to be connected to whatever the monthly theme is. If you are in the book club, you get in on those private stories, you get to look through those five books vote on the book that you want to read in book club and whichever four books are remaining that didn't get chosen, those are going to be the books that I review on the podcast. So if you want to join the book club or you just want to get in on those private stories and see what books I'm going to be reviewing in February, feel free to send me a DM over on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books telling me that you want to join the book club. I can get you in, add you to that close friends list. But if you are not interested, you can still rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts because that is the biggest way to support the show. And if you are just interested in pure content, feel free to check that out on Instagram and TikTok at Brutally Honest Books. And I will talk to you guys next week at the start of February. Thank you so much for listening to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. If you like this show, you can rate and review on iTunes, and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books.